part of the problem going into this pandemic is that Canada had some of the fewest acute care beds per capita in the developed world. We went into this pandemic with 90% of our hospital beds already in use. So the margin for error was very small. And so you have the slightest uptick in hospitalization and the hospital system is overwhelmed. But, you know, it seems to be the pivot. Every time every time cases go up, uh, you simply have a lockdown. You think we'd be looking at other ways, like other countries have, in terms of enhancing capacity, system capacity. Well, Patrick uh, Brown, mayor of Brampton, is really these days the only one talking any common sense. And he's right. I mean, two years into this mess, why have we not dealt with capacity issues? Why haven't field hospitals that we've paid for been built? Why haven't staff on the front lines been bulked up? Why haven't backups been brought in? Military, whatever. I mean, yeah, the pandemic has shone a spotlight on how broken our universal care is, but it was broken a long time before. But, you know, now we're being called into this wartime action. Yet we're confronted with the reality that we have a system in place with lots of unions, special interest groups that talk a good game about caring, but they actually care about their own interests and agenda. And even if we wanted to go into this war type mobility, we wouldn't be able to because they have their interests to protect. Francesca Grosso is a patient navigator, a national public speaker, author, and talks about healthcare because this is what her firm, Grosso McCarthy, does where they are crafting and creating health policy. Good to have you. Great to great to talk to you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, albeit it's not so happy as people are looking <laughs> at the, a real a, a reality check. I mean, we knew that the system was flawed and this is not a knock at any frontline staff. That is not the problem. The problem is the structures we have in the place, administrative. Um, we knew that this was going to happen at, at some point that the Band-Aids would, would give. Am I being too judgmental when I talk about special interest groups um, and unions and those kinds of things holding us back? No, I don't think you are. And I think that uh, the time to have these discussions is sadly not not when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I would argue that our capacity issue in the health system uh, actually preceded the pandemic. And I would also argue that we don't really have a health system. We have a hospital system. Uh, We have a system that is essentially the most expensive um, care setting is the one that basically gets most of the money, uh, does you know, everything from soup to nuts, uh, whether it's seeing frail chronic elderly people or doing cataract surgery you know, or seeing people with mental health issues. Now they're dabbling in long-term care. And it's gotten to a point where it's the one-stop shopping place. So, boom, you get a pandemic mm-hmm. and it hits. And now all of a sudden they have capacity issues and people can't get services that are anything relative to what we need outside of the system. This has been the perpetual problem in Ontario. This precedes this government. It precedes the last government. It just always seems to be when there is a dollar, it always ends up going to the hospital. And you know what? We've created this problem because now we need capacity in hospitals and we don't have it. And we are now closing down people's surgeries. People can't get elective surgery, which could mean that if you have cancer and you need surgery, you will not be able to get it. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't have outlets like other countries do to be able to have these procedures or other services like people being cared for in their homes because we have never prioritized other settings. 
This is a problem. And by the way, I want to be really clear. I am not against hospitals. I think they are hugely important. They have to be well-funded, but they have to be funded to do certain things. They cannot, we can't rely on them for everything. Well, right. I mean, look, people spend a lot of money on health care and we expect to get what we pay for. And coming up, we'll be spending $191 billion on health care. That money will get allocated to hospitals. We have hospital administrators who are making five, $600,000 a year. Their job, as you well know, Francesca, is to make sure that the services are there, that the bed space is there, that the staff is in tip-top shape and have enough resources. All that That's their job. And it's very clear, as we shut down again, that it's not there. And it's also very clear that no politician at any level really has the leadership or even that appetite to do what needs to be fixed, um, because that would actually, you know, because it's hard. You know, so to your earlier point, hospitals have always had a very disproportionately powerful voice. Uh, people love their hospital, and, and I understand why. Um, but unfortunately, people don't understand that there are other options out there. And I have a little difficulty when I hear hospitals complaining about how they, oh, my God, they, they just, they're over capacity and this and that. And yet it seems that whenever there's any new dollar amount that is going for any service, whether it's home care or anything else, mm-hmm. the hospital is always putting its hand up and that, that, that sector grabs all this money. And then they argue no one else has any uh, nobody else has any infrastructure to be able to deal with all these things. Well, naturally, because the other sectors are not getting the money needed to be able to take the pressure off the hospital. One of the things we know, we know this, is we have a lot of people in hospitals who shouldn't be there, and they're called mm-hmm. ALC patients, alternate levels of care. Why are they there? Or be, or bed or crassly, they're known as bed blockers. Or known as bed blockers. Yeah. Well, they're there for two very unfortunate reasons. The first is yeah. we've never properly built out the community sector, and I've been going right. hard on that for many years. But the second reason is because, quite frankly, they probably cost the they cost the hospital less because these are chronic people that you don't really do much for. They're just kind of sitting there. This is wrong, and you know I'm going to go hard on something else. In other countries that are just as proud of their publicly funded healthcare system as we are, that people right. should not have to pay out of pocket, they do a lot of elective surgeries in really good surgery centers that are paid for by the public purse. And by the way, mm-hmm. we have surgery centers in Ontario doing some of this stuff. This is not new. We need more. We need more of these kinds of settings where people can actually get your cataract or your hip or your knee done, mm-hmm. where you're not beholden to a hospital that is either closed down or has C. difficile or whatever else it is. Yeah. yeah and, you know, sadly, this is a conversation that would take a lot more than the segment I can give to it. But, you know, on the other side of this, you'll get people who will say, look, we can't have private care. This pandemic has shown, you know, even a pandemic, a test, $350 if you go to a private care um, you know, situation. Well, look, we have them already, Francesca. They are yeah, here. You just mentioned those, and we've got private care. It's just if it's utilized properly. And I'm not rich. I wouldn't prosper for my private care situation. But again, we have to redesign or think new ways about the model we have because the model we have is just not working. Right. And Alex, I just catch on one thing. We've got to stop mm-hmm. talking about private care because I don't believe people should be paying out of pocket for any of these things. 
but you know, Tommy Douglas actually did not have a problem with private delivery, provided the public did not have to pay. How do I know that? Well, because he's the gentleman who put Medicare in place. And what did it deal with? It dealt with doctors. It dealt with hospitals and doctors. Doctors were always private sector providers. So we've got to get away. You know, Brad Wall, the premier, uh, uh, once said, he said, Mm. if people had to choose between endless ideology or endless health services, I believe they would pick the latter. And I do, too. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly after, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you go to your lab, that, what do you think? That lab, that lab is not a privately run corporation, but they, they do a very, very good job. So we've got to end this ideological ridiculousness because we already have a mixed system and it works very well. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong provided that people don't have to pay out of pocket. Which we already do. And let's let, let's also stop that talking point because we pay taxes and we pay to get services, which right now we can't get. We're not so, getting. Yeah, we're not getting. And, and, by, and sadly, Bradwell is not going to run for prime minister. So uh, I begged him. Um, <laughs> he won't. So he won't be leading this fight. Uh, maybe he'll change his mind. Nonetheless, Francesca, um, this is a conversation we will have plenty more of. It is a needed conversation, but uh, I think we need to have the right conversations. And I always appreciate your time on that. Well, thank you very much. Take care. That's Francesca Grosso, who has made a living, and her life is all about healthcare delivery, healthcare navigation, and healthcare policy. Um, these conversations have to be had, and if the politician, you know, who can take the leadership on this, you got my vote. It's a, it's, it shouldn't be a difficult conversation. This pandemic has shown us the problems, but we do need to stop ignoring them or throwing billions at it and saying that'll fix it. Clearly it won't. Nonetheless, when we come back, we have much to talk about in CounterPoint. We'll do that in round one. Lots of headlines going around today. So we will do that thanks to our friends over at Pizzaville in just a second. Here I'm Alex Pearson on Point, and this is Global News Radio.